it is good to be here, brothers and sisters, and thank you for the opportunity to share this time with you and to share the word of God. Let's pray, please. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you because it is good and pleasant to be, to dwell in your presence in unity and to have your word and your spirit with us. Thank you for your people. Thank you for your word. Help us to understand and to hear what you have to, to tell us this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Please open your Bibles in Psalm 32, and uh, we will consider in this passage the misery of sin and the blessing of forgiveness. <clears throat> Let's read Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is not deceit. When, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely, in the rush of clean waters, of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding which must be curved with beet and brittle, or will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but the steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous. O shout for joy, O you upright in heart. Amen. Leprosy. Leprosy is a terrible disease. It destroys the skin and numbs the nerves. Lepers' bodies fall to pieces and they don't feel pain. Leprosy is a vivid picture of sin and how it destroys men. Leprosy destroys physical bodies and makes people unresponsive to their misery. Likewise, sin destroys people's spirits and makes them unresponsive to the degradation of their precious souls. In 2016, or I mean contrary to what many people think, leprosy has not disappeared. It keeps ruining lives, many lives. 
In 2016, the World Health Organiza Organization reported 200,000 new cases of leprosy and about 3 million people affected in total in the world. But not only leprosy, sin is also with us. But sin is the absolute worst disease because it affects the entire human race and condemns their souls eternally. Psalm 32 reveals many aspects of sin and restoration. In this Psalm, David ex David's experience with sin teaches us about the terrible consequences of sin. It also teaches how God restores sinners. David writes, writes of the joy of his restoration after repentance and the miseries of his days of unrepentant repentant sin. We will consider in Psalm 32 the misery of sin and the blessings of forgiveness under the following four headings. First, forgiveness is the highest blessing. Second, impenitence is the greatest misery. Third, repentance is the better way. Fourth, restored sinners are the best witnesses. Let's begin considering first forgiveness as the highest blessing. In verses 1 of 2 of Psalm 32, we read about the blessedness of forgiveness and the misery of sin. David uses the word blessed twice to express the great happiness of a forgiven man. He says, blessed is the one whose situation is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. But David also conveys the misery of sin using two words, transgressions and iniquity. Sin is serious. And for the same reason, when God restores a sinner, the sinner is blessed. When God restores and forgives a sinner, God is glorified because sinners are miserable, unworthy, and helpless enemies of God. When God converts a sinner, the sinner is blessed because he is rescued from his bondage and condemnation. His transgressions are forgiven. His sin is covered. The Lord, no, the Lord counts no iniquity against him. No wonder David exclaims, blessed. Forgiveness is the highest blessing. Now, let's consider, if you are saved, your greatest blessing 
comes not from what, from what you are, not from your privileges, your possessions, your looks, your reputation, or whatever thing, good thing you have. If you are saved, your greatest blessing comes from forgiveness, from the forgiveness Jesus made possible for you on the cross. If you ever lose what you have, or you ever suffer great pain in your life, or even if you die, you still possess the highest blessing. You are forgiven. You are blessed. There's nothing better than that. In good or in bad times, or even in life or death, there's nothing better than to be forgiven. It is the highest blessing. And uh, let's consider about the, the unsaved, the unbeliever. He who hath never repented of his sins and who hath never been forgiven. If, if you don't know forgiveness, it's because you don't realize the true and horrific nature of sin. If you, if you don't understand that you are a sinner, you will not repent. And you will be alien to the blessing of forgiveness. Pastor Frank Barker, a great friend, friend of us in Miami, told me something that I, about sin that I never forget. Sin will always deceive you. It will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay, than you want to pay. So make no mistake. The scripture is very clear about sin. It says that sin is horrible, deceitful, and destructive. If you ignore sin, you do it at your own risk. But what is, what is sin really? Sin does not does not consist in what we do, but in what who we are. We not only commit sin, we are sinners. Sin is inside us. Even if our external and public behavior does not look sinful to the human eye, we are sinners in nature. The Apostle Paul uses Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2 in Romans 4. He uses these verses to illustrate the essence of the gospel, the doctrine of justification by faith. Justification by faith teach us that the justice we need to avoid eternal misery and con condemnation from God is something we don't have because because we are sinners. And if we don't have the justice 
God requires, we are forever lost and condemned. But justification also teaches, teaches that even the worst, the worst sinner can get justice, the justice he doesn't have, not by works or personal merits, but by faith in Jesus. Jesus is the only person in the universe who has the justice you need. And by believing in his person and in his death on the cross for sinners, he can justify you. So, Paul uses Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2 in Romans to illustrate the doctrine of justification. He speaks of David's experience with justification. In Romans 4, 6, we read, David speaks of the blessing of the one of of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. David says, "Blessed are those whose, whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed, blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin." David knew the blessing of forgiveness. He committed adultery to conceal his sin. He framed the death of the husband of the woman with whom he sinned. David was an adulterer and a killer, yet he was forgiven. That's why he wrote Psalm 32. And Paul uses his testimony to show the glory, the power, and the blessing of justification. But there are other lessons in Psalm 32. In verses 3 and 4, we learn that, that, we learn that impenitence, lack of repentance, prevents justification. And David describes the pathetic condition of those who don't repent. Let's examine then our second heading. Impenitence is the greatest misery. Lack of repentance is rebellion against God. If you don't repent, you defy God's testimony about your guilt. Maybe you hide your sin with self-justification or, or with religion. Or perhaps you deny your sin shamelessly. David denied his sin, his sin for some time. He denied his adultery and his criminal act. In verse 3, in Psalm 32, in verse 3, 
David says, I kept, I kept silent about my sin. But his silence and impenitence led him to misery and depression. He could not avoid God's rebuke. He kept silent outside, but he could not silence his conscience inside. God did not allow sin, uh, his sinful silence to prevail. During the time David kept silent about his sin, David suffered terribly. In verse 3, he says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. In verse 4, he says, For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as the heat of summer. And note, note here the hand of God. David says, your hand was heavy upon me. In the middle, in the middle of his misery, David could see and could feel the hand of God. It was raised against David in discipline. It was heavy. It was severe. But it was God's hand in mercy. It was God coming in discipline to the life of his disobedient child. God used David's misery to make him understand his need for repentance and that his only hope was God's gracious forgiveness. Now, this passage reminds us that the distress and the unrest caused by sin and lack of repentance is a means by which God leads us to repentance. And repentance brings forgiveness, and forgiveness, blessing. But not all people repent. Many live at ease with their wickedness. This is a bad sign. It means that God has forsaken these people. Repentance sets apart the godly from the ungodly. The godly see their sin and repent. The ungodly, they do not care. Sometimes the ungodly fake repentance. King Saul and Judas Iscariot, they did it. They said, I have sinned. But their repentance was fake. It was not spiritual. It lacked the consciousness of their sin against God. It was man-centered. 
This fake repentance, the repentance of Judas and King Saul is mortal. It brings judgment and condemnation. So true repentance is a blessing. There's nothing better than true repentance. Have you repented? With what kind of repentance? Because not all repentance is true repentance. True repentance is more than sorrow. It's more than guilt. It's more than tears. It requires a deeper, deeper heart involvement. True repentance is not sweet. It's not easy. And this is the point of our next consideration in verse 5. But remember, forgiveness is the highest blessing. Impenitence is the greatest misery. Let's now consider how repentance is the better way. In verse, in verse 5, David says, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. And in this confession, we learn what repentance is. The heart of repentance implies at least three things. One, owning our sin. Two, becoming aware that our sins are against God. And three, confessing our sins. We see these three things in David's repentance in verse 5. David, first, he owns his guilt. We don't do this naturally. We are like Adam or Aaron who, who rationalized their sin. We are like them. And that's what David did for some time. David justified his sin, rationalized his sin, hid his sin. But after so much misery, David stops, stopped rationalizing and hiding his sin. In verse 5, he takes the blame. And he says, I acknowledged my sin, and I did not cover my iniquity. I confess my transgressions. He found no justification in himself, only guilt. Through repentance, owns the guilt of sin. But secondly, David admitted that his sin was against God. In Psalm 51, he's very explicit about this. He says, against you only have I sinned in your sight. Like the prodigal son. The prodigal son said, 
Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Because sin is an insult to God. Sin insults God. And David admits his sin before God. In verse 5 he says, I acknowledge my sin to you. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. David owned his sin. David admitted that his sin was against God. But thirdly, David confessed his sin. True repentance confesses sin. David confessed sin to God. He said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And the result was, you forgave the iniquity of my sin. This is the biblical principle. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10.9. This is the principle of repentance. So if you have sinned, if someone has sinned in this place this morning, do not stay in your sin. Seek the way of true repentance. Do not deceive yourself. Paul speaks of a godly grief that produces a repentance that leads to salvation. He speaks, of only, uh, he speaks also of a worldly grief that produces death. Death. This is false repentance. But true repentance leads to the great blessing of restoration and forgiveness. True repentance leads to salvation. And a restored sinner becomes a blessing to others, becomes a true and the best witness of the grace of God. And this leads us to our next consideration. A restored sinner is the best witness. We can see this in verses 6, six to 11. In these verses, David reflects, reflects on the effects, effects of his experience of misery and forgiveness. And David offers words of encouragement, admonition, and instruction to sinners, sinners that suffer the same desolation that he experienced. In verse 6, David says to believers who have sinned that if they seek God in prayer and repentance, he will deliver them from the rush of great waters caused by sin. Verse 6 says, 
Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you in a time when you may be found. Surely, in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. After his repentance and restoration, David also was able to exclaim in verse 7, you are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. God requires you to respond to his call to repentance because he wants to save you from your sin. He wants to save you from the curse of impenitence. And this is what godly people do. They repent. Godly people repent. Godly people sin, but godly people repent. They don't stay in their sin. So we can rely on God's grace. He makes provision so that when you come you come to terms with your sin and you come brokenhearted to seek him in repentance, you will be forgiven. In verse 8, God promises to instruct sinners. He says, I will instruct you and teach you. And verse 9 admonishes with these words. Be not like a horse or a mule without, without understanding. And this amonestation reminds us that sin, sin makes people irrational. Sin make, makes people stubborn and rebellious. The Bible depicts, depicts na uh, pagan nations in, as beasts. In Daniel, in Daniel 7 and 8, we see the visions of Daniel. He sees nations as beasts. King Nebuchadnezzar became like a beast for his, for his arrogance. Satan and his representatives in the book of Revelation are beasts. Sinners are like beasts. Before God, because of their ignorance, their arrogance, and their, their self-sufficiency. So let's heed the Lord's warning about sinning and not repenting. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding. Let's heed God's promises of instruction and restoration to those who repent. Verse 10 reminds us the difference between the wicked and the faithful. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Both the righteous and the wicked are sinners. Both, both the righteous and the 
wicked sin. The righteous are not sinless, but they repent. And they rely on God's grace and confess their sin, own their sin, and acknowledge their, that their sins are against God and confess their sins. David is an example. He repented of his sin and he trusted in the Lord. Of course, the results are different. The wicked live under many sorrows, but dull those who trust in the Lord will be surrounded by a steadfast love. <clears throat> Finally, in verse 11, David encourages the righteous to rejoice in God's goodness. To rejoice in God's forgiveness. He says, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. And you notice, the psalm begins with an indicative, blessed is and closes with an imperative, rejoice, be glad. God uses circumstances like David's sin to instruct his people. And we must be intent on learning from these examples. Otherwise, our sin will bring pain and suffering on this earth and in eternity will bring endless condemnation in hell. The point of our psalm is sin makes people miserable, but God forgives those who own their guilt and confess their sins. So repent. Let us repent. Unbelievers, your sad condition, your sin is dangerous and your condition is sad. You need to see your guilt. You need to understand your condition. If you don't see your sin and your condition, you cannot see the beauty, the love, and the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. You won't see it. You won't understand the love and the goodness and the beauty of Jesus Christ. He died to forgive those who come to him in faith and repentance, but you won't repent because you don't understand your condition. You need to understand your sin and come to God in repentance. And for believers, believers who have sinned, believers who have sinned and are hiding their sin, they also must repent. You have no other choice. 
If you are a true believer, you can do no other. Let the Holy Spirit persuade you of your offense and cry out for forgiveness. Plead that you receive the power to forsake your sin because believers will struggle with sin. And we sin, but we need to confess our sin and experience the blessedness, the blessing of, of forgiveness. So Psalm 32 is the instructive journey of a restored sinner, of David who testifies of the misery of impenitence and the need for repentance. It is these forgiven people who can testify of the horrible effects of sin of, and of impenitence, but they can also tell you about the glorious result of the forgiving grace of God. Let us come to God in repentance. And let us come to God with shouts of joy and gratefulness for his forgiveness. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the testimony of David and this psalm. Thank you for reminder, reminding us that sin is horrible, deceitful, destructive. And to remind us that you are forgiven, that you are able, powerful, and willing to forgive. Help us, God, to have a God of, to have a God that, that is broken before you, and to have a God of repentance. In the name of Jesus, amen.